I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Here we go. It's the official show here on the Fish Stripes podcast channel. I'm Eli Sussman, the managing editor of Fish Stripes. This show is presented to you by Symbol, the stock market for sports. How you doing, Marlins fans? Coming off what was, all things considered, a good week for this team. Uh, five and two, winning a series on the road against the rival Braves, and then winning another series at home against the Giants team that had been playing pretty well. We'll be getting into each of those three Giants games coming up here in a little bit. The team overall now at 7-8 and eight on the season. Nothing too sexy. Not quite the sensation that they were early on last year during the shortened season. But looking back to the previous several years, um, for a full-length year, this has been an unusually solid start for this team, one that we really haven't seen over the normal rebuild seasons yet. A lot of individual star power going on, and uh, of course that's going to bring me to the main subject of this pod that's going to take up most of the episode, which is the potential loss of Starling Marte. Marte, at the very, very, very end of Sunday's game, suffering an injury. He's been such a consistent presence for the Marlins in center field and batting in the number two spot of the lineup. And we need to come to terms with the fact that he's probably going to miss some time and figure out exactly who is going to fill his shoes and whether anybody can fill his shoes. Some of the potential blessings that actually come with the fact that he'll miss time and other less experienced players are going to be thrown into the fire for this team that has some competitive aspirations. Every week, I always wonder exactly how to plan out these shows, how much to pre-plan and what topics to get into, and usually I'm thinking about those topics before the previous game even ends, but in this case, uh, all those plans had to go out the window, because Marte, this is the biggest story affecting the team right now, and how exactly the team will be able to hold things together in what could be a significant absence for him. Well, you hope it's nothing, but that's... He keeps grabbing it, though. It's concerning me because he's not letting it go. Like, sometimes you do that as a hitter. You'll feel something in your body that doesn't feel right. The pain lasts five, six, seven seconds. Gets your attention. There you go. This may need to be discussed because you don't want to make it worse. Having been here before, if he takes a healthy swing, 100% swing, he could really hurt himself. First, we're going to get into these three most recent games against the Giants. The Marlins winning the first two on Friday, 4-1. to one. On Saturday, a walk-off win in 10 innings, 7-6. to six. And then losing on Sunday, getting shut out 1-0. On Friday, it was uh, not all about Starling Marte, but he stole the show at the end. Certainly a three-run, game-winning home run against the Giants reliever, a no-doubter to left center field. After most of the day, the Marlins' offense didn't have much going. 
uh, aside from a Jazz Chisholm Jr. solo shot early on that got them in gear. Uh, starting for that game for the Marlins, Daniel Castano, his first start of the season after pitching seven times during last year's regular season. We have an article up on Fish Stripes from Nicole Cahill about that outing. She was there to see it in person, uh, breaking down what makes Castano such an anomaly because this is a guy now eight appearances into his career, seven starts, 35-ish innings, and he is a 2.86 ERA. Total uh, afterthought in this organization as recently as a year ago, and all, but all he does is prevent runs when he's on the mound. In this game in particular, not a single strikeout, zero. And overall, dating back to his debut last year, he is striking out fewer batters than anybody in the majors. You would never expect somebody in that situation to be even a league average pitcher, much less an above average pitcher. And he continues to be someone that I think going forward, you have to expect a significant amount of regression from him if he's not missing more bats. But he's going to get an opportunity to prove himself, I imagine, because after that performance and considering that the injured starting pitchers in this rotation, we got recent updates on Sixto Sanchez, Eliezer Hernandez, Edward Cabrera, uh, um, none of them particularly close to returning at the moment. They appear to be a number of weeks away at this point, which means several more openings in the rotation. And as long as Castano has positive results and keeping the team in games, he'll continue to start for them. So hoping he misses a couple more bets in these games moving forward. But that was, uh, if nothing else, in that one outing, he did just enough to keep them in the game long enough for uh, Marte to come through as the hero in the bottom of the eighth inning. They've been good in those situations all year, though. Third best team average oh. as Marte hits one a mile. Deep left center field. Goodbye. Three-run homer for Starling Marte. Looking at Saturday's game, that's what I think everybody's still buzzing about. The walk-off win over the Giants. A game that was, I mean, pretty low scoring for the entire first half. They got a great, great starting performance from Sandy Alcantara. Um, even though this is why the final line doesn't always tell the whole story. He winds up allowing four earned runs in six in the third innings, but the first six of those were pretty damn perfect. I mean, his fastball velocity was great as always, but his command of his fastballs was even better in this one. His changeup was incredible, as we've seen so far in this early season. That is an improved pitch for him. It was a good weapon before, but now it is on a similar tier as some of the other changeup specialists on this pitching staff. It's getting a lot of swings and misses, and for the moment, he's leading the team in strikeouts through his first four starts of the season. Things came undone for him in the top of that seventh inning. The Marlins had a 3 to nothing lead, if I remember correctly, at that moment, which you felt pretty secure about against a Giants offense that, for most of the series, did not do much. Almost all of the Giants' offense in this series came in that top of the seventh inning when Sandy began to miss his spots a little bit, allowed a home run to Brandon Belt, allowed a couple more extra base hits, and then they brought in Richard Blyer. This is someone that I'll, I'll need to do a full article on what's going on with Blyer because he is one of this team's biggest disappointments at the moment. You don't put too much attention on any one reliever. He's only pitched in, at this moment, what, seven innings, six and two-thirds innings 
this year, and he's allowed four home runs, including the one that put them behind in this one and put the game in serious doubt. Blyer, for his entire career, he's had a sneaky good career in the majors, and in particular, he's been able to induce ground balls at a crazy rate, and that is not happening this year, or it's just not happening enough. Whenever he's not getting it on the ground, it seems he's getting barreled, and those balls are going over the wall, in this case getting burned by outfielder Austin Slater, who came in to pinch hit. Uh, Someone like Daniel Castano, he's always been right near the bottom of the chain in terms of missing bats, but he has this long track record of inducing the right kinds of contact. He's not doing it now, and I think this has to be the last time for a while that they use him in any sort of high leverage situation. That's the one exception. I think even when you saw this move being made, it was fair to second guess Mattingly. Why go to Detweiler when you had, uh, why go to Blyer when you had Detweiler available? They ended up bringing in Detweiler. He kept it close in the eighth inning. Zach Pop in the ninth inning. Uh, we need to highlight him and what he did in this performance, striking out the side to keep the game within reach. The Marlins rally in the bottom of the ninth inning. Thanks to Jazz Chisholm Jr. again, this was perhaps the peak of Jazz Mania on this night, where he reaches base four times in this game. He, he starts that rally in the ninth. He ends up scoring what was the winning run in the bottom of the 10th on Jorge Alfaro's walk-off, and he is just lighting it up offensively. Every single plate appearance he has is is great. He doesn't reach base every time, but it feels like it. He is uh, we, we already recorded a full podcast on him last week. I'm not going to dive too deep into it again. He is he is everything you could have hoped for on this team, and the team is rallying around him. The fans are rallying around Jazz as well. Uh, let's see if he can keep it up because he will, as we get into it later, he'll have an even larger opportunity to make an impact than he's had already, and he is, to this point, one of the most valuable players in baseball. Uh, it's a high bar that he's setting for himself, and it's just such a relief after all these other young position players haven't really stuck for the Marlins at the major league level, and Jazz is the one finally getting acclimated and looking great out there. And then we look at Sunday's finale, a lot of optimism about a sweep. You know that every day we do our fish picks prop bets on our fishstripes.com game coverage section and on fishstripes on Twitter, more than 200 people playing along. In this particular game, I think we had about 70 playing along, and probably 65 out of the 70 picked the Marlins to win. May have been even more than that, with Pablo Lopez on the mound. Pablo did his part. He wasn't even especially sharp in this game with his fastball command, but his changeup was on another level. Nine strikeouts for Pablo, and all nine of them on changeups. That is a lot rarer than you think. It's something that... I don't believe any Marlins pitcher has done in the StatCast era until Pablo just did it to get nine strikeouts all on a changeup. So he threw it early and often against right-handers and left-handers. Six innings, no earned runs, one unearned run. The uh, infield defense behind him was uncharacteristically shaky. Uh, That being said, the larger story in this game probably was just the lack of offense. The Marlins didn't draw a single walk in the game. They only had three hits and none extra bases. They had Jazz in the lineup. They had Aguilar in the lineup. They had Rojas in the lineup, who quietly is the most impactful player against left-handed pitching. 
the, this track record that Miggy Rowe has dating back to the start of 2020 against lefties is off the charts. And you can understand why Mattingly likes to hit him in the leadoff spot against left-handed pitching. But just not not really anything to hang your hat on offensively in this one. Jazz, as usual, did some nice things. He had a ball that should have been a double and a very frustrating situation where he comes off the bag at second base for a split second, even though he beat the play by, by plenty, and he's called out because of it. That ended a rally. So maybe the game looks a little bit different if he's safe at seconds on that play, as he was very, very close to being. Um, still just a, a frustrating afternoon, and uh, you're going to get that from time to time if you're not hitting the ball over the wall. That continues to be a question with this team is how much home run production do they get at Lone Depot Park? They got barely any during the first homestand of the year. A couple key homers, um, of course, on Friday. But that continues to be a very big question with this team at home is whether they are going to hit it over the wall enough to even be an average offense, much much less a, a good offense. And if you're not doing that, you'll be subjected to occasional shutouts just like this one. Here on the Fist Stripes podcast, we're celebrating one month, more than a month at this point, of partnership with Symbol, where you trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Not just the Marlins, all MLB, NBA, NFL teams, even if they're not local to you. Symbol allows you to blend what you know about sports and the nature of the stock market to invest in these teams and profit off your sports knowledge. More than 2,000 plus early adopters already. Visit www.simbull.app, symbol.app, to create a free account. Please use the promo code FISHSTRIPES for a $10 bonus on your first deposit. The current share price for Sim Marlins is $26.87. And you go to symbol.app, use the promo code for that $10 deposit bonus, and pick your spots to invest in Sim Marlins or any of these other teams available because if they win, you win. Invest in what you know, invest in sports. And everybody following this Marlins team seems to want them to invest in Starling Marte, don't you? The pending free agent, he was off to an incredible start to this season through 15 games, batting 316 with a 420 on base at percentage and a 491 slugging OPS over 900. He was hitting home runs at key times. He was stealing bases. He was doing it in high leverage situations. He was playing good center field defense. That might be the most encouraging aspect for a guy that is now 32 and a half years old. It's he's entering this phase in his aging curve where a lot of center fielders move over to the corners, and he's not ready to do that yet. He. He was having a great year, even better than what we saw from him late in the 2020 season, and now he's out. If you didn't see it, bottom of the ninth inning, two outs, representing the tying run. If there was anybody in that situation that could have come through for the team, Marte was the most likely one. During his plate appearance, he takes a swing, and he grimaces, clutches at his left side. He feels it immediately, and the Marlins... About a minute and a half, two minutes, they evaluated him right there near the batter's box and took him out of the game and had to remove him from a pitch hitter. They did not want him to take another swing, as Mattingly said in the post-game presser. As of 
it takes a little while to get this testing done. I'm sure he'll undergo an MRI if he hasn't already. We should be getting those results shortly here on Monday, right after you're listening to this. And my expectation is that Marte is going to go on the injured list because it's an injury. It's one thing where you feel soreness in your side, maybe tightness, but the way that he reacted, he felt something. There was there was a distinct injury in one of his core muscles. And those core muscles, I, I can't overstate how important they are to doing everything involved with baseball, more so than anything else having to do with swinging a bat and generating power. You need your core. If you suffer any type of injury down there, in oblique, intercostal, those were the, the words that Mattingly threw out there. I, I mentioned the hip on Twitter. It doesn't look like it was the hip. It was a little higher up than that. It was somewhere really in the core that you need time off for that to heal, and then you need more time to ramp back up with baseball activities. So at the very least, you're going to see him go on the injured list. I'm sure that the initial word when the Marlins announce the injury will be that his status is day-to-day. They don't need to rush this. Monday is an off day, and then Tuesday against the Orioles, and they could really kick this down the road a couple days if they want, but by the time we start that new road trip on Thursday, going to San Francisco and then Milwaukee, there will be a new player on the roster, almost certainly a new outfielder on the roster. And why is that? Because Marte's backup currently on the Marlins active roster was Magnaris Sierra. That's about it. He's the one guy that can play center field. Uh, Adam Duvall, I noticed he did play center field in 2020 with the Braves, but that was exactly one inning of work. And Corey Dickerson, he has not played any center field in the majors since 2015. And, and both of those guys are very important offensively, so the Marlins don't want to put them in an uncomfortable position in the field that could subject them to their own injuries. Um, aside from Sierra, we have John Birdie. I mean, you guys know how I feel about John Birdie. It wasn't that long ago that I was saying John Birdie is one of the best players on this team, and so far his performance has made me look bad. He's off to a slow start through about 31 plate appearances. He has an OPS of 587. That being said, you just look at his track record. You could just look at his 2020 season where I had some skepticism about his bat. At that time, he got off to a slow start, almost identical. Through 15 Marlins games last year, he had a 597 OPS, only 10 points higher than he currently has. And then by the time that season was done, he was one of the most impactful players on the team. So he's going to be an option here too. He has played a couple dozen center field games for the Marlins the last few years, despite the infield being his primary home, the middle infield. I would expect him to get occasional starts in center field as well, especially until they've officially put Marte on the injured list. It's just him and Sierra. You could do somewhat of a platoon that way, although I think in the ideal scenario, you still want Birdie around to fill in at other positions. You have Brian Anderson right now, who is still not quite himself. If he needs occasional days off at third base, then you have Birdie. And the same thing goes for um, Miguel Rojas against certain right-handed pitchers in the corner outfield spots now, potentially against certain right-handed pitchers that the expectation is that once Marte goes on the injured list, the next man up is going to be an outfielder. So that will free up Birdie to continue to be a versatile player. But without Marte in his locked into center field, this is the key difference is that Marte 
um, so far this season, he had played in every single inning of every single Marlins game until suffering that injury. Every single moment he had been on the field at this point, and that is irreplaceable. That's the key, is that whoever they call up, they are not going to be in every single game starter at center field. They don't have another guy that justifies that kind of playing time and has that skill set to be a contributor in all those aspects of the game. So this will look different. This will look different where they don't have that one main center fielder. They'll have to do some mixing and matching. The guys we mentioned already, Birdie, Sierra, and I want to put Lewis Brinson in the same bucket as Sierra. He got sent down a little over a week ago, optioned to the fish tank alternate training site, and he is highly likely to be the guy that gets called up with Marte on the IL. It's as disappointing as this is, uh, we'll see exactly what the injury to Marte is. Best case scenario, hopefully back in two weeks, but we'll still have to determine what what severity that injury is, assuming it's a strain of either his oblique or his intercostal, that for however long he's out, um, this is a great opportunity to know what you have in Lewis Brinson and McNairis Sierra. You may think already, well, we probably do already know what we have. We have guys that can't hit and who aren't exactly as valuable as you would expect on the bases, despite their athleticism, and ones that are now into their mid-20s and still haven't put it all together. Uh, with Sierra, we've barely had to see him play this year, just because this, the way that this roster is set up, they have a surplus. They did have a surplus of outfielders, with both Cooper filling in in right field, and obviously Duvall, Dickerson, and Marte, that Sierra has not started a single game to this point, and that seems like it is potentially going to change during this interim period with Marte out that we'll see some Sierra doing what was very encouraging from him last year, that at his best, he has some very good awareness of the strike zone and only swings at good pitches. He has incredible speed and he, uh, he has limitations, but he, at least he knows those limitations where he's not swinging from his shoes to hit the ball out because to this point in his career, he has not hit a single ball over the wall in a major league game. He made this roster uh, for his potential late-ending impact as a substitute, and honestly, just because he was out of minor league options, and that's still the case. Um, turning over to Lewis Brinson, he people were very excited about Brinson for a small portion of that 2020 season. He did have his hottest offensive stretch of his career, which is not saying much, but it is saying something, that they found a groove with him, especially facing left-handed pitching that... He was making more consistent contact. When he makes contact, you know that he has good raw power and he has the ability to pile up some extra base hits. It's He's able to actually make a positive impact in the right matchups when everything's going right. Uh, you take the larger view of it and his overall offensive production in 2020 was still very mediocre and his track record before that was absolutely terrible. So... That's why he was very disposable for the team early on this season when they wanted, preferred an extra pitcher over him uh, on the roster that he got sent down. And his his place on this team is still uh, very insecure, that he knows he's getting this opportunity in all likelihood just because of Marte going down. He has one minor league option remaining. He has a stronger prospect pedigree than Sierra does. Uh, he's also older than Sierra by almost two years. 
He's further along. He has had so many more opportunities at the major league level. I'm going to look this up because I can never even believe it that the Marlins have let Lewis Brinson bat 829 times in major league games. That's how many plate appearances he has. And it's a it's a 540 OPS. It's a weighted runs created plus of about 50. He He's just not a good baseball player. And we have pretty compelling evidence of that to this point. But he's here right now. The team has at-bats available, and they have this great wave of outfield talent coming through the system. We know that Brinson's days with this organization are numbered. The question is whether once they inevitably say goodbye to him, can they get anything back in return? And for the moment, uh, you go to Baseball Trade Values. That's one of my favorite resources for uh, getting an objective view of these players, and they have both Sierra and Brinson valued at zero at no surplus value whatsoever. Players that if they were designated for assignment, you'd have difficulty finding any trade whatsoever. And it's not even a guarantee that they'd be claimed off of waivers. Their track record is that poor. And they've had that many opportunities that things are uh, are looking pretty br- pretty bleak. But there's an opportunity for them now to step in. And it couldn't, it couldn't hurt. It couldn't hurt their trade value at this point, considering that they're at rock bottom right now. If one of them does perform well and we get later into the season, um, perhaps even when Marte returns, they keep them around his depth. But there'll come a time once we get hopefully to July, if not August at the very latest, where J.J. Blade is ready, where Jesus Sanchez is back from his groin injury that slowed him down in spring training, and we get to see what he's capable of. I've not given up at all about Jesus Sanchez and his power. Gerard Encarnacion, who is on the 40-man roster, who lit up the Arizona Fall League the last time that we saw him in extended uh, like official competition, that maybe Gerard is ready to make an impact at the major league level in some way. And we know this this whole wave they have even behind that with Cameron Meisner, with Griffin Conine, with Victor Victor Mesa, with Ma- and Monte Harrison continues to hang out. And he really belongs in the same category as, as Brinson and Sierra. He has not had the same amount of opportunities and I think at this point he has still more upside that you can dream on. Um, this is just an educated guess at this point that Brinson will be the guy that comes up because he was the one that was obviously on the opening day roster not that long ago. And the urgency to find out what they have in Brinson makes him a better candidate to call up. It should be noted, though, that there have been, to this point, at least three series. So I would say, if not 10 games, maybe even a little more than that, played with the fish tank roster against some of these other um, alternate training sites where you've seen them travel to the the Tampa Bay uh, alternate training site, which is, I think, in Port Charlotte. They traveled to the Blue Jays in Dunedin. They also hosted the Rays at Jacksonville. That There have been some games being played. There have been the, the evaluations on these players potentially have changed a little bit. The Marlins are very tight-lipped about what is going on in those games taking place, those scrimmages between high-level minor leaguers on both sides. But there has been some new information with Monte and with Brinson have been a part of this group, as long along with many of the other top prospects that are on that fish tank roster. They've had an opportunity to play games. Uh, potentially something has happened there that may make them consider going in a different direction here in terms of who is the next man up. Uh, another player to mention, Brian Miller. Brian Miller had a great spring training. His skill set is pretty redundant with Magnara Sierra, so I would expect that 
Miller's opportunity isn't right now. It may come later in the year if they get rid of Sierra, if certain injuries pop up, etc. He's probably on the outside looking in. So you put your money on Brinson being the one that gets called up in place of Marte. If it doesn't happen on Tuesday, it might not happen on Wednesday. It will definitely happen by the time this new road trip starts on Thursday. I'm not excited to see Brinson or Sierra in place of Marte because we just know that the the talent is not there and there there are more holes that are going to be exploited. But at the very least, we'll see them tested in major league games. We'll finally get some. We already you could say we probably have clarity on these players already, but it's this will be a good time to get some closure on them where the playing time is there. They don't take advantage of it. They're gone. Even if they do take advantage of it, then you have a good problem to have where they may finally resurrect their trade value to some extent and you start planning for the future. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Then with Marte out, it's not just filling the shoes of the center field position. Because whether it's Sierra or whether it's Brinson, these guys will be batting at the very bottom of the lineup. But this also opens up a void in the batting order at the number two spot. That is where Marte has been consistently every single game this season, and even dating back to most of last year. When you have someone that is moved out of that spot, it creates extra plate appearances for somebody else. One gripe that has been floating around the Marlins community the last couple weeks, especially the last week or so with Jazz on fire, is why not move up him to the top of the order or very close to it? I'll be curious to see what the team does there. Uh, I mean, they could, the cop-out solution could just be shifting everybody up one spot in the lineup. So let's see what that would mean, where we've had uh, Jesus Aguilar for most of the season batting in the number three spot. So he could be a guy that shifts up to number two, which is something that the Marlins did do uh, plenty of last season. Before, before they acquired Marte, they had Aguilar batting in the number two spot quite a bit. So just to look at some of these recent batting orders and a possibility that uh, if they keep Dickerson in the leadoff spot, and there's been some momentum about making a change there, but he did have a four-hit game in the last time he started, and overall the offense has been fine. So I think Dickerson is relatively safe in the leadoff spot for the time being. If they shift everybody up, then you have Aguilar batting number two. You probably have Adam Duvall third, Brian Anderson fourth, Jazz Chisholm Jr. 5th, Miguel Rojas 6th, and then 7th and 8th would be the catcher and the center field spot. So either Alfaro and Wallach, and then either either Sierra or Brinson or Birdie. And then the other possibility is finally making that jump with Jazz and giving him more responsibility. Just the way that a batting order works, the difference between batting 2nd and batting 6th is that almost every other game, you're missing out on a plate appearance. You simply don't get that deep into the lineup. There have been a couple occasions so far in this start to the season where Jazz was on deck or in the hole when the game was being decided for a Marlins team that has been playing so many close games, um, seven games at this point that have been decided by a single run. Every plate appearance is critical. You should be getting your best players in an opportunity to do that. I have been... uh, 
always cautious about the expectations for Jazz. He is one of the best players in baseball at this moment, but the league has a way of adjusting to you. It always does, almost always. In almost every single case, the league adjusts back to you. And so for the moment, I think it's fair to say that Jazz is not quite as good as his numbers would suggest. The question is whether he's the best option they have available uh, right now at this stage of the season to bat in the number two spot without Marte. That it creates a big void, and Jazz has that. It's not the same skill set exactly, but it's relatively close. It's that raw power. It's the speed he has. It's the awareness of the strike zone that he can do on his best days when he is totally locked in the way that he has been for the last week plus, that he is their closest, uh, the closest thing to that the Marlins have to imitating Marte's production in the lineup. So he should uh, be a serious consideration for that number two spot. If you want to know what I would do, I think that is what I would do in Mattingly's shoes, that this is the time to give Jazz some more responsibility and to learn more about him because it needs to be uh, emphasized again that this Marlins team realistically is not trying to be a World Series contender in 2021, that their window isn't fully open yet. And one key for this season, perhaps the most important thing, is finding out what you have in these young players. Even Sierra and even Brinson, we think we know what they we have in them and that they're not part of the future, but this is the perfect time to find out and having them on the roster, uh, make or break year for them, make or break year for Jorge Alfaro, we know, and how, how tenuous that was looking. Um, until Saturday night when he finally came through in the clutch, and that will be an ongoing storyline all year, finding out whether you think Alfaro is truly a, a solid primary catcher at the major league level, and Jazz, where Jazz is, I mean, the biggest bright spot of this entire offense, for sure, to this point in the season, looks like someone that you can trust at second base for the near future and for shortstop in the long term. It's incredibly exciting. And you want to just give him every opportunity possible to play uh, and to find out and to make adjustments at this point in the season so that when that window of contention fully opens, that he is the best version of himself. The only way he's going to learn is by getting reps, and the, the more reps, the better. And the more reps are possible if you're batting higher up in the lineup. So my expectation is that they simply shift everybody up about a spot in the lineup and keep it a familiar look just without Marte. Um, and my hope is that they are willing to be more aggressive and to prioritize Jazz's developments and put him in the number two spot. We will find out on Tuesday when they host the Orioles for a pair of games. Matt Harvey is going to be starting that first game of the series. Old friend, old rival Matt Harvey, who has not faced the Marlins since his Mets days. Uh, the hope is that they are able to get right against him because at this stage of his career, he is not going to shut you down. He is not going to overpower you. So that's a great opportunity for this team to get back on track, to get back to the 500 mark, which uh, is, all things considered, that's a nice place to be uh, after stumbling out of the gates during that first week of the regular season. Of course, I'll be back with you on the podcast later this week. We're going to have a Fish Stripes Live pre-series build-up preview uh, heading into Tuesday night's series opener, so be sure to watch that either on Twitter, on YouTube, on Twitch. Just follow us at Fish Stripes. Plenty of content coming up on fishstripes.com, of course, our, our daily news roundups, our recaps, 
our analysis, expect something from me about Richard Blyer, looking into whether or not they can get him finally back on track. And I'd like to announce that we have a new intern here at Fish Stripes, just beginning here on Monday officially, Kevin Barral. He'll be doing a lot of work on our YouTube channel and on our live streams. You'll be seeing him and you'll be uh, also enjoying his video editing skills. Uh, I'm excited to have his passion for the Marlins and to have him make our multimedia presence even stronger than it currently is. So we welcome Kevin to Fish Stripes as the latest addition to our staff. I'm Eli Sussman, and I appreciate every single one of you listening to this wherever you do listen. Make sure you subscribe to the Fish Stripes podcast, and if possible, rate and review to let us know how we're doing. The Marlins are back in action on Tuesday night. Go Fish! Go Fish!